0: Good to see you worshiping today, see people in this altar, and just I sense uh, uh, a shift in the worship of the Lord in this house, and that's an awesome thing. Let me just say, surprise, I'm here today. Uh, Pastor Jeff called me on Wednesday, and he was having uh, kind of an outpatient surgery on his eyes. Uh, You know, he had one eye that he had some floaters in, and he got that taken care of, and the others got so bad, he had to go back in get those floaters taken out of his eyes. So he'll be back here Wednesday with 2020 vision, all right? And uh, that's always a good thing. But it's an honor to be here. And I, when I received the word, he asked me if I would come. And uh, I immediately said yes, because I had this Sunday uh, off. And so I said, I, I will. Then I really got into the presence of the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want me to say? what's the word for this coming Sunday? And I had a, kind of a part two of the message I preached last time I was here about give me my mountain, one more mountain, and had a part two. I said, well, I can work on that. And I prayed about it, but that didn't seem to uh, be the right thing. And then my wife said, you need to preach a message on revival. And I said, yeah, you're right. And so I thought about that. Nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> and I was praying Thursday, Friday morning, and I mean, something just welled up in me, and we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. I know that's what your pastor's been preaching on, but we are in a battle, aren't we? But the good news is we win. We won because of what Jesus has done. So I'm going to talk about the devil's defeat today, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to give you some information in just a moment, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, all right? Uh, before I get anybody distracted too far, okay, as you're standing there, you look at me, and you know, there was a commercial about somebody going in to get a, on a job interview, and he had a stain on his shirt, and all the man could see was the stain speaking to him. So I looked down, and I got a stain on my pants. Now, I wore white pants today. Johnny said the reason that happened, because you wore white pants before Labor Day. And... uh <laughs> But I walked into Pastor Jeff's office. He got his chairs rearranged, and I ran into one of his chairs. I looked down, and I was bleeding. And so they got me a Band-Aid, but I got a stain on my pants, so I don't want that to distract anybody. But I'm glad to know that Jesus washes me as white as snow, the stain of my sin. Let's pray together, and then I'm going to have you to have a seat. Lord, we just want to say thank you for the privilege of being right here today of hearing your word and being transformed by it, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. You know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some information today. Information is going to come right out of the word of God. The next thing that's going to happen, and I know this is going to happen, God's going to breathe upon His Word. That's called inspiration. He's going to breathe upon it. Ooh, we're going to take it in. It's, that's inspiration. Then I am believing God's going to give you a revelation. A revelation. And then that's going to lead to a transformation. And so the way you are right now is not the way you're going to lead. Let me tell you the difference between information and transformation, or information and revelation. Let me just say what the difference is. I like to eat at my favorite Mexican food restaurant, which is El Phoenix. Usually when I'm here, I go down the street and go to El Phoenix. I grew up eating at El Phoenix. I eat at El Phoenix on Sunday and El Chico's on Tuesday, <laughs> staffing at church. My dad loved those places, but... Uh, I go down to El Phoenix and they bring me my plate of enchiladas. Usually the waitress comes and she's holding it with a dish towel or something. She goes, That plate is very hot. She sets it in front of me. I said, Is it really that hot? And I touch it to move it over a little bit, and I run, whoop! She was right. That's really hot. She gave me information, I got a revelation. So I'm going to give you some information today, but I want you to touch it, and I want you to get a revelation Amen. of what the Lord is, wants to say to all of us today. God's going to say different things to different what, each one of you differently. Uh, you're going to hear differently, but I'm going to ask you to take away at least one thing from this message. I always say this, take away one thing you can carry with you all week long. You can Amen. meditate on it. And take away one other thing that you can give away to somebody else. Because I believe the Word of God is worth giving away. And it helps get inside of you. If you'll just share what the Lord spoke to you concerning this message. I'll give you four points. Uh, I'll say, I'm going to share a lot of scriptures. And uh, just to let you know that the devil has been defeated. I like the story of... Someone said that when Satan came to the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and God realized that it was Satan, it was Lucifer who had deceived Eve, he put a curse upon the adversary. Put a curse upon Lucifer. And that curse was what? You're going to crawl on your belly and eat dust the rest of your life. He came in upright and he left defeated. F E E T E D defeated, and I want to talk to you about the devil's defeat. D E F E A T. He has been a he's a defeated foe. He just doesn't want you to know that. He he's doing everything he can to keep you from realizing he's defeated because he if you know it he's in trouble. But if he can keep us unaware of his defeat, he can win some victories. I happened to turn on the news yesterday. Uh, just to catch up on the world news, what a mistake that was. I saw the devil at work. He was stealing, he was killing, and he was destroying people's lives. And I didn't last long enough in that broadcast to get to the, oh, the 60 seconds of a feel-good story. They put it at the end, just so you won't go away like, so depressed. I didn't stay long enough for that. But I realize the devil's just being the devil. He's being who he is. He can't help but lie. He he is a liar from the very beginning. And he can't help but doing that. But I want to give you some good news out of the Word of God today. Here are my points. I'll just give them to you up front and then we'll look at them. We're going to talk about his plans being exposed. We're going to expose the plans of the enemy. We're going to talk about his power being nullified. Can't hurt us. We're going to talk about his presence is not to be feared, and we're going to talk about his patterns are predictable. Okay, those are my points. But uh, we want to go over that. Second Corinthians chapter two verse eleven says, "Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we've got to be careful." So we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. I don't want you to be ignorant of what the devil. And he doesn't have anything new, all right? He's been doing the same things for uh, as long as he's been in existence. As God created him and he fell to this earth. And he's been doing the same things over and over and over again. And I realize we are in a spiritual warfare. I realize that according to the Word of God. I wake up every morning and I put on the full armor of God because I know I'm going to face the enemy. And I want to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I realize that when I watch people on the media and people that I don't like their views, I don't like the way they sound, I realize, you know, it's really not them. It's principalities and powers behind them. They've been deceived. They're controlled by things they don't even understand. And I've got to remind myself of that, lest I get in the flesh and get angry at a person when it's really not them. They don't know Jesus yet. They haven't been redeemed, haven't been forgiven. Recently I heard uh, a story, some of you may have seen this, Glenn Beck, uh, that conservative radio host that, I don't know what you think about him, but I want to share a dream he had. Glenn Beck said he had a dream. Ten years ago he had a dream. And it upset him so much, he didn't tell anybody about it. It, it. it frightened him. He didn't say anything about that dream, even to his wife. Come 10 years later, he said he got a call from a pastor, a spiritual leader, who said, Glenn, I need to talk to you. Can you come to my house as soon as you can? And Glenn did some figuring. He said, well, I can, we can be there. Mem and I will be there this weekend. And so... They went to wherever this was. They flew to this spot and checked into the hotel room. Uh, That night he went to sleep and he had the exact same dream again that he'd had 10 years earlier. He hadn't told anybody. He woke up disturbed deep in his spirit. He actually told his wife about it on their way to visiting whoever. He didn't say who the pastor was that he was meeting with. Well, they got to his house and this pastor said, Come on in, Glenn, and just sit down there on the couch. And he said this. He said, Glenn, God speaks to me quite often through his word. God speaks to me through dreams and through visions. And I want to say something to you. Now, not knowing that Glenn had had this dream, this pastor looked at him and said, Glenn, God will speak to you through dreams. And I don't want you to throw those aside. There's something to them. That's all he had to say to him. And Glenn knew exactly what he meant. And this was his dream. He had a dream of he was invited to the White House. And he said, I was being ushered into the White House, going down the corridor, and he said, there were some men behind me, and I didn't really see who they were, but people in their cubicles kept looking up and looking at them. And He said, I took a glance, and I saw them in uniforms I didn't recognize. He said, I have since then, but I didn't recognize them in the initial dream. He said, I was ushered into a room, a situation-type room, and they asked us to sit down, and we sit down in the behind this big table, and as I sit there with these three other men, he said, all of a sudden, someone, two men walked in. He said they weren't political figures. They were just dressed in suits, and they walked in, and they looked at the three guys with me, and they said, you, you, and you, you, get up and just, you can lead now. And they left. Glenn was sitting there alone, and these figures, these men, looked at Glenn and said, Glenn, we want to get to know you. And then all of a sudden, he heard some gunshots, three boom, 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 gunshots. And they said, well, that didn't take long. And they began to carry on this conversation with Glenn. And then all of a sudden they stood up and they looked at him and they reached over and pulled off what was a mask. And he said, I saw these demon-like creatures staring at me. And he said, I realized we are not in a political battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And he goes on to say, and this is the part that I thought, boy, that's, coming from Glenn Beck, of all people. He said to those that were watching and listening, he looked at the camera, he said, if you're not in church, you need to get in church. Because you're going to have to come to know the Spirit of God and listen to Him. Because we are in a spiritual battle. He said, you'll be traveling down the road one way, and the Spirit... Spirit of God will say, don't go that way, that's dangerous. And you'll turn around if you know how to hear the voice of God. So he says, I urge you, go find a group of people you can gather with and you can learn from the men and women of God how to hear his voice. It's much needed in the times in which we live. I thought, wow, absolutely true. And I've got other stories. I've got a story, a friend of mine who works for the government, but I don't have time to tell the story. But it was just, it's just talking about the spiritual warfare that this nation has opened themselves up to. And it's up to us, the church, the people of God, to close those doors. We want to see the plans of the enemy exposed. I don't know how many times I've watched Uh, news broadcast and they may come on and say well the fbi has exposed a plot against our nation they raided the home and i was reading one of a 19 year old man who had created a bomb and he was about to explode it like another 9-11 but his plans were exposed the plans were uncovered i don't have many times when i wake up in the morning that I pray, Lord, expose the plans of the enemy today. Plans he has against me, against my family, against the church. And it's a prayer we need to be praying. Because God wants to expose the plans of the enemy. Listen to 1 John 3:8. The Son of God was manifested. The reason Jesus came was manifested was to destroy. Amplified Bible says to untie, to unloose, to dissolve, to expose the works of the devil. Jesus came to expose the works of the devil. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story of the king of Syria who was coming against Israel and he would make plans in secret and every time he would make a war plan and go to fulfill that plan, the king of Israel knew about it beforehand and was prepared to fight him off. So the king of Syria gathered all of his servants together and said, we've got a spy in the camp. Somebody's telling the king of Israel our plans. Who is it? One of the servants spoke up and said, no, king, there's no one here that's telling the king of Israel what our plans are. There's a prophet named Elisha. He hears what you're doing when you talk about it in your bedroom. God reveals your plans to him. He said, who's this Elijah guy? This prophet, let's go get him. You remember this part of the story. They go to Dotham and they go and surround Elisha and his servant. And the servant walks out and sees this great army, runs back in and says, Elisha, Look out the window. What are we going to do? He said, hey, we're not going to be afraid. Because there are more with us than are with them. And then he prayed, Lord, open up his eyes. Let him see what I see. And God opened up his eyes. I want to say something to you. There's a plan of the enemy He's making plans for you, for me, for the church right now, for our nation. But I'm telling you, regardless if the enemy surrounds us, there's more with us than are with them. He was manifested to uncover the works of the enemy. Second point, his power is nullified. His power is nullified. Now, I don't want to talk too much about the power of the devil because I realize greater is he that's in me than he that's within the world. I'll tell you one of those plans. A few weeks ago, February the 5th, 2023, there were on national television, the Grammys. Now, I didn't watch the Grammys. That's not my thing. But the Grammys were on. They were going to honor all of Hollywood's elite, and they were doing all these things. And many of you may have seen this and heard this. I heard about it. I didn't watch it. But one of the singers came on and sang a song called Unholy, dressed in a devil costume. And it was all about worshiping the devil. And it got the church in an uproar. I mean, I had never seen so many posts. Oh man, we can't believe this happened. You need to go watch this. And I think many people played right into the devil's hands. Because they began to watch this. And it got, it got exposure all over everywhere. Many people viewed it and would have never viewed it. I decided I'm not going to let that in my eye gate. I'm not going to let that in my ear gate. So I didn't, but I just read the post. And it was an awful thing. The devil had a plan. Partly he succeeded in his plan. But we didn't know, the world didn't know, that three days later, now, something about that three-day thing. Three days later on February the 8th, there was going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon a group of young people in Ashbury University. The devil, and he always does this, he overplayed his hand. He said, I'm going to get them to pay attention to me, to worship me. And then all of a sudden, God shows up three days later on a group of young people, and that outpouring of the Spirit of God, I mean, began to spread around the world. And people wonder, is this going to be another great awakening? And people begin to show up, and I believe there had been 100,000 people show up on that campus. Friends of mine went. The first day they got there, they had, it was raining. They had to wait for two hours to get in the door. The next day they went back, it had turned to be about 30 degrees or colder, and they had to wait for four hours to get in the door, to be a part of that worship experience. And that's all it was. It wasn't preaching. It was young people worshiping the Lord nonstop. Hallelujah. Over, over again. Worshiping God. And that outpouring has literally affected the whole world. Twenty, At least, there may be more by now, 21 Colleges and universities are having an effect of that outpouring. I saw last night Ohio State University. There was a group of people, I mean it was packed out in a room, and they were worshiping God, Texas A&M. They had to meet outside, there were so many young people. Worshiping the Lord, and it's still going on. Then at the tail end of all of that, The Jesus Revolution movie came out. If you haven't seen that yet, you need to go see that. Because it was all about what happened in the 60s and 70s of the Jesus Movement. What I came out of. What your pastor came out of. He was one of those hippies that got born again. Delivered from drugs and alcohol. So the devil overplayed his hand and his power. Hebrews 2:14 and 15 says because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood and the blood beca- and the son took on this human nature of ours and became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only this way could he set free all who have lived their life as slaves to the fear of dying. Can I say something to you? Jesus has broke the power of death. Death cannot harm us. Billy Graham, in his last crusade, he was older now. This is his last public appearance in a crusade. He said, I've been asked this question so many times, especially now that I'm getting older. He says, they asked me, are you afraid to die? <laughs> he said, absolutely not. I look forward to it. Amen. He goes, I'm going to see Jesus. Amen. I'm going to get to be with my wife and with all of those that have gone on before me. Amen. Death has no hold on me. Amen. Some of you know the story my own father who in 1978 was diagnosed with cancer, colon cancer. And it didn't look good. The doctors said it was, it was too far gone. They didn't have a, a real treatment for him. But five years earlier, before then, he had had a heart attack. He preached a message out of Philippians 1.21, to die is gain preached that message that Sunday morning in the scripture that says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Well, he, had, he preached that message, came down off the podium, and he had a heart attack. And before they got him to Methodist Hospital in Oak Cliff, his heart stopped. And he had an experience of about to enter into heaven, the city of God. He said he was standing in the cleft of a rock. An angel was about to usher him in. He said, I could see the city. I could see the streets of gold. I could see it. I was about to be ushered in. When all of a sudden the doctors at Methodist Hospital shocked his heart. And his spirit that was in heaven, whoop, came back into his body all of a sudden. And he woke up disappointed. What did you do? But we had need of him for five more years. So when he was diagnosed with cancer, he said, well, I tried dying once, and there's nothing to it, so I'm not going to worry about dying. Why? Why? Jesus has broke the power of death. We don't fear that death. Colossians 2.15, On the cross, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross. So at the cross and at the resurrection, Jesus nullified death itself. For those of us who put our trust in what Jesus did on the cross and His resurrection power, we don't need to fear death. Because Jesus has conquered that for us. 2 Corinthians fifteen fifty four says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Point number three. His presence is not to be feared. The devil's presence is not to be feared. you ever heard of a man named Smith Wigglesworth? Anybody ever heard of him? He was an English pastor born in 1859, died in 1947. He was known as the Apostle of Faith. He had a great ministry. He was really a plumber. His wife was the preacher, but she died and he became a great preacher and an apostle of faith. He had great faith to believe God for healing. Uh, One of the stories is his wife died and he had raised some people from the dead, so he didn't want his wife to be dead. So he went to her to raise her up from the dead. And he spoke life into her. You know what? She opened her eyes. And she looked at him and said, Smith, let me go home. I don't want to come back. What could he say? And she went on to be with the Lord. But Smith Wigglesworth was in his home one night asleep when a ruckus broke out in his home. And it was an awful disturbance. And he opened his eyes and he looked up and it was the devil himself had come to harass him. And Smith Wigglesworth looked at him and said, Oh, it's just you. And turned over and went back to sleep. How would you like to get to that point? Oh, it's, it's just you. And just go back to sleep. 2 Kings 6.16 we t- talked about a moment ago. Don't be afraid for more with us than are with them. God has come to take away the fear even of the presence of the devil. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that's within the world. Paul said Timothy. Listen son. Let me remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. When I laid hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what? Of power. Love. And of a sound mind. Let me tell you something. The devil is after your mind. Boy if he can get inside your head. He's got you. And how often does it get inside our head? Quite a bit. You watch the news. Oh, he climbs right on in our head. You hear of a new variant of COVID-19. And they say, oh, this is worse than the first one. It's a lot worse than the second one. It's a whole lot worse than the third one. This is the fourth one. And there'll be a fifth one, and a sixth one, and a seventh one. And the devil, sometimes you're not, he'll get in your head. You'll say, what am we going to do, Lord? What are we going to do? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to put our trust in the God who knows. We're not going to fear his presence. We're not going to let the devil come into our mind and take away our peace. Every morning, I shod my feet with the gospel of what? Peace. I walked in today with peace in my heart, upon my lips. And I walked that way. I said, God, I'm not going to let the devil. And he tries. He tries. He tries to take my peace. He tries to pull the rug out from under me. But I'm not going to let him take my... I hit the chair this morning. I bleeding on my pants this morning. Now, in the past, that would have kind of freaked me out. Oh, man, what's my wife going to say? She's going to be so embarrassed when she comes up at church in the next service. See, I've got blood all over my life. But I've learned, you know what? It's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's no big deal. And so I've learned to keep my peace because that's why Jesus died. Now, let me give you my last point about the devil's defeat. His patterns are predictable. He can't do anything new. He he just pay attention. He does the same thing over and over again. We go to the garden. Back when he tempted Eve, what was the first thing he did? He tried to get her to doubt the Word of God. What did he say to her? Has God said? Oh, no, 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 that's not what he meant. He's trying his best to get us to... And he, he does the same. He did that to Jesus. When he came to tempt Jesus, what did he say? If you are the Son of God. Trying to get him to doubt who he was. And I promise you, that's the way he comes to you. He comes to me. I know that's what the Bible says, but nah, is that really what he meant? Is that promise really for you? That's really not for you. That was for somebody in the Bible. That's for somebody. That's not, he gets you to doubt God's Word. That's the first thing he does. Every time. He tries to get me to doubt. I was reading the psalm. and I was reading where the children of Israel in the wilderness. It says, you limited me because you didn't believe what I said. I'm unlimited, he said. But you limited what I w- wanted to do with you because you just wouldn't believe what I'd done. He said, I told you all the things I'd done with your ancestors. I showed you what I'd done for you in the wilderness, but you still wouldn't believe me. Why? The devil so doubt." in their mind. And he's trying to do that to you. But we're going to stand up against him today. We're going to resist the doubt that he's trying. Now, the next thing he does and this is found in 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. Look at this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here we go. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And this world is passing away in all of its lust. Right. Let's go back to the garden. When we see Eve, what does he do? It says in verse three, uh, cha- chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it appealed to what? The lust of her flesh. That, that looks pretty good fruit. Then it says... It was pleasant to her eyes, the lust of the eyes. That doesn't look so bad. Looks pretty good. And then it says, if you eat this, it'll make you wise. It'll be just like God. What's that appeal to? The pride of life. That's what the enemy does. Now, let's go to Jesus. Out in the wilderness of temptation, he's being tempted. What's the first thing Satan throws at him? Turn these stones into what? Bread to appeal to the lust of his flesh. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. Appealing to the lust of his flesh. Then he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. He said, Jesus, if you will jump down, everyone will be watching. And you know what the Bible says. And he begins to quote the Bible to Jesus. Angels. Will pick you up. Lest you dash your foot against. And everybody will see it. That appealed to the lust of the eyes. Well that didn't work. Because Jesus resisted that. Then he takes him up to a high mountain. he said. Just look at all of these kingdoms. They've been given into my power. And if you'll just fall down and worship me. I'll give them to you. What was that appealing to? The pride of his life. Now. Jesus knew he was going to have all those kingdoms anyway, but he, the devil was trying to get him to take a shortcut. I'll give them to you. The pride of life. Those, that's the patterns of the devil, and they are predictable. He's going to get you to doubt. He's going to appeal to the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, or the pride of your life. But I want us to understand why Jesus came. I came to defeat the enemy, for you, for me. Now, we're living in a fallen world, but we got to realize, you know, and I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want you to realize that Jesus defeated him. He knows, according to Revelation 2, he knows his time is short. So he's going to do everything he can. He's going to throw everything he can at us to get us not to resist him. Because as soon as we start resisting him, start pushing back against him, He's in trouble. The devil manifests himself at the Grammys, and there was pushback at Asbury University. I sense this morning there's been some pushback against the enemy. Some of you came in, you were troubled. The devil's faithful to do what he does: steal, kill, and to destroy. He's faithful to do that to you. And He tried to get you, some of you, He tried to get you not to show up at church today. Don't go. You don't feel good. It's hard. There's no reason to go. But you came anyway. Let me applaud you, okay? I applaud you. I applaud those single mothers. we have having single mothers out there. Raise your hand, single mothers. Some single mothers, I applaud you for showing up at church, getting your children to church. It's not easy. I applaud all you senior adults. I applaud all of the widows and widowers who came by themselves to church. Young people, young adults who showed up at church. I heard a story. What time is it? Okay, I'm good. I heard a story. I was watching a video of a gentleman who probably looked like he was in his late 30s or maybe even 40s. And the title was Gay Atheist. But he was sharing his testimony. He said, I went to church. A friend of mine invited me to church. He'd been inviting me for a long time. So I decided to go. And he said, when I sit in my chair, he said, I begin to listen to the preacher. And he said, I listened to everything he had to say. And I began to say, I believe everything he's saying. I believe it. And he said, he preached and I did not want him to stop. Now, you know, that's God. (laughs) He said, I didn't want him to stop. I wanted him to keep going, keep preaching. I was... Believe me, he said, I thought I was an atheist. And I was living this lifestyle I'd been living for quite some time. But I was hearing him and I was believing what he was saying about the Word of God. And he said, he gave an invitation. And during that time, he said, I said yes to Jesus. And immediately he said, something just said, you're going to have to change your lifestyle. You're going to have to change. And he said, I got born again. Because someone, some friend, who really did love his friend, invited him to church. I'm going to tell you, this new awakening that I believe is coming across our nation I really believe there's been a fresh stirring of the Spirit of God. I believe it started as an outpouring in Ashbury. It's going to lead to revival inside the church. Then it's going to lead to an awakening in our community. May a lot of people get born again, saved. And I've always prayed, Lord, I don't want to miss the next move of God. When I was a teenager in my early 20s and the Jesus movement came and My father became a part of that, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and opened his Baptist church doors to all those hippies They came in with their long hair and their shoes or sandals or maybe no shoes or sandals. In their bell-bottom jeans with holes in it. We didn't know that was going to be a fashion statement. At the time, it wasn't. Many churches would station deacons in the Baptist church. They were deacons at the door. And some of those churches, when these young people would show up, they would look at them and say, oh, you're not coming in here. You go cut your hair. You go put some clean clothes. Come back next Sunday. But my dad said, don't you do that, man. You let them come in here. And they came in to the point where all the young people got to sit in the altar of the church because there wasn't enough pews to hold everybody. And these hippies would come and boy, they would get transformed by the power of God. I remember baptizing Larry and Dell Killingsworth, two young men. They were hippie hippies. One had an afro stuck out like this. One had long hair. I got to baptize those two brothers. I stood up in the baptistry and and I said, I'm going to baptize two young men who look like one of the old apostles. Well, a lady in our church misunderstood what I said. And so for a year, she was offended at me. She came to me finally and said, I want you to know I'm offended at you, what you said about Larry and Dale. I said, what did I say? He said, you stood up there and called them an old possum. They look like an old possum. I said, no, I didn't say an old possum. I said, old apostle. You should hold a grudge against me all that time. Well, anyway. This new move of God, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen and just be aware of it. Because I don't want the devil to keep us from the next move of God. And that's what my prayer is being. God, don't keep me from it. I may not understand it. I may not even like it the way you're going to move. But I want to be a part of it. Amen. And I heard something and I thought, well, maybe this is going to be the rub. That many in that Asbury Revival, the young people, these were Generation Z and Generation a, they were really embracing the LGBTQ community. They embraced them, loved them. And I thought, Lord, maybe that's what's going to be the situation in this new revival. That because these people will be ostracized and marginalized and people said, you don't belong in the church, you just stay away. They're going to sense the love of God And they're going to sense the peace of God when they show up at church. And they want to come. And a lot of people are going to stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh, not in our church you do. Let me tell you something. We've got to go like this. You come as you are. My father, some of you will recognize the name Lulu Roman. Lulu Roman was on a television show called Hee Haw. You don't know about that? Well, you just don't know. You didn't get to experience home. But she was on that show. She showed up at our church on a Wednesday night because a friend brought her. My dad took her back after church was over with, sat on the floor with her in his study, and began to share the gospel with her. She said, but pastor, you don't realize I've got so many drug charges against me. And I'm about to go to prison. What am I going to do about that? He says, Lulu, let me just tell you something. Why don't you just give your heart to Jesus? We'll let him worry about that. We'll let him figure that out. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And God figured it out. She got a full pardon from the governor of the state of Texas. That was a God thing. And she's still singing today. Well, people are going to come in to this church that you may not or you just don't feel comfortable around but the Holy Spirit's going to draw them in. And my decision that I said, okay, Lord, (laughs) I'll love on them and I'm going to trust you to take care of what needs to be done. I want them to accept you. Then I'll trust you to deal with them. And whatever way you, you choose. It's not to me. I can't change anybody, but the Spirit of God can. Amen. I'm telling you, He changed you. Yes. Some of you, I'd have never been around. But because of what Jesus has done, we get to fellowship together. Amen. And they are going to come from the north South, east, and the west. Some of your sons and daughters that wandered away are going to come back home. Because that's why Jesus came. He came for those that are sick and need a physician, He came for those that are lost and need His salvation. And I'm telling you, His plans, I just exposed the devil's plans. His power. Over them is nullified. His presence for us is not to be feared. And his patterns are very predictable. Can we stand together? There's someone in this room right now or watching online that you don't even know if you believe in God. Maybe you call yourself an agnostic, maybe you call yourself an atheist. But something is stirring in your heart you don't understand it. And that's the Lord just saying I want to reveal myself to you. I want to let you know who I am. I want you to experience my grace and my love. And you're going to experience that through my people. So I'm going to ask you to do something, if you would. Would you take hands with the person next to you? Cross this sanctuary, and would you begin just to pray for that person? You may not know who they are, that's okay. Just begin to pray and ask God to show himself to them. To transform them into his image to give them a revelation of who He is and who He wants to be to them. Lord, we just pray for one another right now. We pray for those that are watching online. Lord, you can reach in to hospital rooms, prisons, living rooms and bedrooms. Lord, you can reach in let them know how much you love them. We're going to dismiss this service here in just a moment. Our intercessors are going to come and stand in this altar. I'll be here in this altar. If you need prayer, if you have doubts about your relationship with the Lord, would you just come let me pray with you? If you're an atheist, I'd love to talk to you. I pray, God, send me some atheists. (laughs) I'd just like to have a conversation with them. Send me some agnostics. I'm looking for those that are lost. If somebody's lost your way today, we'll be here in this altar. I am going to ask our prayers to come right now. If you're here, you're one of the intercessors of the house. Would you just come and stand here? These people have, have a special call in their life, an anointing. When they pray with you, I believe something good's going to happen. I'll be here in this altar. But you got some information today. I trust you're going to get a revelation. Leads to a transformation of your life. Let's go forth today strong in the Lord, in the power of God of his mind. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, all the stuff done is to shout. Let's shout, the greater one is in me. Okay, can we just shout that? The greater one is in me. You ready? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. The greater one is in me. Fear nothing, man. Let's go.